0: Nice. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name is Jason Barnard and it's a huge honour today. It really is. We've got one of the biggest uh, music producers of the British pop scene from the 60s and obviously a very notable artist in his own time, an arranger and renaissance man of all things psychedelic, Mark Wurtz. And um, you've just been listening to Steve Flynn and Rainbow, or Mr. Rainbow, it was a single on Parlophone in 1967, but Steve Flynn was actually a pseudonym for Mark, and you may have heard that track. It's been remade a few times, but, um, notably by Tomorrow, and we'll be playing today um, a range of songs strongly connected to Mark's fantastic career. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. Hello.
2: Hello. It's nice to be here, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, like... In Miracle of Technology, it's putting us together. I'm in, uh, in Georgia, in, uh, in the south of the great land of, uh, of Georgia, and America. And uh, you are out there in, uh, in, in Britain. And uh, gosh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I came out to America. And, and all this seemed like science fiction still. So now it's just nothing, you know. We just sit down and, and off we go. So, yes, uh, you like that track that you just played?
1: It's, uh, you, you co wrote it with, uh, some of the guys from tomorrow, didn't you?
2: No, uh, no, yeah, yeah, I, I did co write it. And as a matter of fact, you see, Flynn was a, uh, he worked for, for British Airways as a, as a flight attendant. He was waiting to take somebody to the airport and then, um, accompany them on a flight to, uh, I think it was Australia or something. So he was actually just hanging out. And then, um, I needed a B side for the, um, for, for what I was recording, and uh, he said, "Hey, I'll have a go. I'll give it a go, you know." And uh, so he did, and it came out really well. You have to
1: admit, it's a really cool version, isn't it? Oh wow! So that's okay. um, that's information that's um, incorrect on the web. Known. And no, it's not.
2: It's not widely
1: known. No. Ah, so so we can write that wrong, and I can correct myself on the show. Steve Flynn yeah. actually is a real person. It is not you, Mark.
2: <laughs> no, it is, it is absolutely a real person. That's true, yeah.
1: The second song is one of my favorites of yours, and um, I think it's on the uh, fantastic story of, of Mark Wirtz, And um, it's a song released under the name Peanut. I'm waiting for the day. And I think um, that was uh, a lady called Katie Kisun from Trinidad. Katie Kisun.
2: Katie She was, I don't think she was a day older than 14, 15. She's cute oh. as a button. And uh, her manager was Valerie Avon. Uh, manager was also a songwriter and uh, uh, somebody in the industry and anyway she signed peanut I had made I think two two singles with her and then uh, when I moved over to EMI I took her with me and she signed to EMI and then uh, she went from there she had some hits after working with me she had some hits some um, reggae hits you know Mm. later of course they became like uh, I think they were like a four or five some almost gospel choir group and they were awesome so
1: let's listen to Peanut and I'm waiting for the day the um, Beach Boys classic
2: one of my favorites you know
1: I'm waiting for the day on Columbia, 1966. Next, Mark, we've got a song not by you, but a song that you um, produced, and it's by Tomorrow. And it's uh, one, of, um, one of the landmarks in what is now known as psychedelic music, My White Bicycle, single in 1967. But I've, I've read that you were actually sort of integral in the in crowd as they were known kind of morphing into Tomorrow and, and into that underground scene. Well, you know, I'm still,
2: uh, the history uh, of, of that uh, scene back then was actually quite short. We talk about the 60s, etc., etc., et cetera, and we think we're talking about 10 years. We're not. I mean, the 60s really and truly were only about, well, like most of those eras, they're only about like two years or two and a half years long. That's about it, you know. And so, so much happened in such a short time. Think about it. Put your mind back to 66 uh, when it kind of started to really rock. And and then what do you have? They have like four years of, of uh, evolution, and then kaboom! It it just went dark, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything went very grim and and uh, uh, not exciting. And it was like a revolution that was a quiet one, you know. But the fact is, though, that for those years, three or four years, the the creativity that was spun was just amazing. I mean, if you compare that now with later. People took a lot longer and spent a lot more money making albums, making music. But for God's sakes, I mean, think about it, you know. It's just extraordinary how everything developed so swiftly mm-hmm. and then died.
1: I've heard that you're, in terms of producing tomorrow, you had a bit more of a light touch approach with the group.
2: Oh, yeah. For tomorrow, I pretty much to say, you know why? Because they had a lot of freedom because it were trio. Uh, and there was nobody to get into the way, get in the way of anybody else. You know, I mean, like, uh, what are you going to do? You have a guitar, you have a bass player, you have a drummer, and you have a vocalist. And uh, who's going to get in the way of whom? You know. So yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, uh, Keith and Steve were very, very well rehearsed, very uh, prepared. They had their arrangements down, the, the material. I trusted them hundred percent. I would just say, okay, so what's next? I would I, I didn't, I, they didn't have to audition or they didn't have to prove the song to me or whatever. I would just ask them, so what's next? And, uh, and they'd go into it, you know, and then we'd we collaboratively wait, uh, well, I mean, we, we probably recalled about six, seven takes, but that was about it, you know. Uh, it was almost very casual, very, very friendly and fun and, uh, creative, but it was never, it was, and plus, we were, we, they gave us the worst studio time, 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and Abbey Road was a, a cool studio, but my God, it didn't come along with, with energy or something, you know. So we, we made these really extraordinary records in a very short space of time. And um, who would have thought that they would survive like this, you know? <laughs>
1: Tomorrow, My White Bicycle. Next, we have Keith Weston, excerpt from a teenage opera, Mark. Um, can you tell me about the the, the origins of, of that song and, and, and that project? I've read that that was kind of, in, you thought of that as kind of a, a whole concept and a, a bit of a sort of movie to music.
2: Well, actually, the way it started was with Grocer Jack, which was a dream. I had a dream with this story exactly the way you hear it on the record. I woke up and I thought, you know, I want to make a record out of this. This is a great story. I talked to my engineer, Jeff Emmerich, about it, and he said, you can't, no, not with kids. You can't do that. It's that's not rock and roll, you know. And I said, well, you know what? I want to do it. I have a feeling about it, and I want to do it. So we uh, we cut Grocer Jack in all its tribulations. Well, the rest is history, but it was actually just a totally transcribed, Dream of mine that came true, yeah. and I, at, at that point, to be very honest with you and everybody else, it's uh, I hadn't necessarily planned on more than that. No. It was almost like a tongue-in-cheek actually situation because I don't like operas personally, and uh, so it was tongue-in-cheek, you know. I did this opera here, but but it really truly was like an anti-opera.
0: Days into years. Yes, eighty-two brings many fears. Yesterday's laughter. feels so strong His heart is weak There's something wrong Opens windows in despair Tries to breathe in some fresh air His conscience cries it's on your feet Without you Jack The town can't eat Grosser Jack Grosser Jack Get off your back Go into town Don't let them down Oh no, no Grosser Jack Grosser Jack Get off your back Go into town, don't let them down Oh no, no The people that live in the town Don't understand He's never been known to miss his round It's It's 10 o'clock the housewife shell, when Jack turns up, we'll give him hell. Husbands moan at the breakfast tables, no milk, no eggs, no the labels. Mothers send the children out to Jack's house to scream and shout. morning, bright and clear Lovely flowers Decorate a marble square People cry and walk away Think about the fateful day Now they wish they'd given Jack More affection and respect The little children dressed in black Don't know what's happened to old Jack
1: Keith West, excerpt from Teenage Opera, uh, you know, an amazing track. Next we have Kippington Lodge and Shy Boy. Obviously Kippington Lodge, the, the band that became Brinsley Swartz in the 70s. You know, the, the material has been um, repackaged and remastered and is very popular today and a good little band in the in Oh, the they 60s. were
2: great. They were the greatest. People used to come to the uh, studio and knock very politely and come to the studio, and, you know, to the studio door and say, hey, can we come in and listen a little bit? And then could we do an audition for you? And um, this is this one of those days, and and the audition was uh, at the time they were called Tippington Lodge, and uh, we did the audition, and I loved the stuff so much, I signed them on the spot, and they they walked in as strangers, and they walked out with the record deal.
1: So uh, shy boy.
2: That was a piece song. Uh, yeah. Well, Keith West co-wrote it anyway. Yeah, that was a part of the Tomorrow album as well, mm. and. Um, I think it is one of the better tracks, and I think it's being remembered as one of those.
1: Let's listen to Kipping to Lodge and Shy Boy from yep.
3: 1967. His head is never right. The girl he's always known Lives just across the road She thinks he's soon Has freckles on the skin, and the hair is mousing. Wears glasses, takes evening classes, never dances. But in the farm he works, amongst the small town clocks, the new girls in typing. And underneath the desk, a pair of slender legs, no the red.
1: Next we have Keith West again, Sam from A Teenage Opera, and that's a follow-up to excerpt from A Teenage Opera. I've read that it was an influence on Pete Townsend and Tommy. Have you have you heard that and whether that's true or not?
2: Oh yeah, I mean like Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney went into print not long ago saying that uh, had it not been for my teenage opera, there would never have been a side two of Eddie Road. Wow. So, um, and yeah, I, that was very, I thought it was very, very gracious, not, well, no, generous for, for the to Who, to give that kind of thumbs up to to my work, you know. I always thought I was really, really cool. And to this day, I mean, that's, hey, you know, this is what the Who thought, cool. And yeah, again, you know, we worked along the same lines, but we didn't, I mean, I didn't copy them, they didn't copy me. I think that we just had, to, again, we just had the same little theater in mind, you know
1: and it's interesting that you mention little theater because sam is um is, is overshadowed shadowed really by the, the hit single of excerpt from a teenage opera but in its own way sam is a, is a really really great track and the production on it you know with the steam engine on it was that was that from the EMI sound library or something that the train sounds and everything? yeah
2: yeah we did a lot of that yeah we had a lot of uh, we did some real life recordings for, for sound effects etc and and I mean, we, anything went, you know, if somebody had a good idea, we would choose it, you know.
0: Nice profession Well it was really more an obsession He didn't have a single possession Just affection for a steam machine It's simply green Her name is Glory The village folks they often wonder Where Glory gets a fire and thunder Magic things Sam must conjure Museum on the rails, a legend of our tales. Oh, how right he was A shock for him
4: A headed railway company
0: found its way to his house on Monday. Reggie Route is uneconomical. Very sorry, we've got to be logical. And when the month ends glory is redundant, then a strange sound in the night. Made the people awake with fright. A green machine with a yellow light. The salmon top steam out of sight. The-
1: Next, we Ooh. have Zion de Gallia, if that's how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, me. I really love this track and the production on it and the sound. It's got quite a bit of sort of psychedelic melancholia to it.
2: Yeah, that is very melancholic, yeah. It, it, was, it was an unusual track, you know, mm. and it was dark.
1: And yeah. And yet it
2: was, it was not depressing, yeah. No.
1: I've read that that's been miscredited to, to you as the singer. When as, I, I've read that it's a guy right. called Douglas Ord.
2: It was a genuine, it was a genuine artist who <laughs> sang
1: this yes. yeah, did you do a few singles yeah. under that name
2: mm, yeah, 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 and and yet at the time, you know again, we did it in such a way that we didn't always know what was what song, right we just had ideas and just put it together, you know,
1: so you just recorded, and then the the, the label just just put them out
2: well actually we pretty much decided. Oh, okay. Those in those days we had a lovely freedom.
1: In terms of that song, to have you know me as as coming out on singles, quite a bold statement. You know, it's not the sort of Radio One foot tapper. Even better that that managed to get released because it's a wonderful track.
2: Yeah, it did. That's the thing. It did, you know. And if that track hadn't been recorded, they would never have been recorded ever, because uh, this was not music that was really on the mass market accepted at all uh we're we're playing things that have been not have been forgotten about or never known about until well I don't know not recently yeah the last twenty years yes you know the thing is to see, we weren't really well corrected from the charts because think about it, most of the bands or artists that did sort of kind of make it they weren't really um chart artists, they weren't really hit. No. Uh, they, were, they all did their own little thing and and uh, it was like a different world. And I don't think they judge much by Charles, because if they would have, there wouldn't have been much happening, you know? Because face yeah. it, How many of these people made hit records? Very few. Until you got into that mainstream thing in, in the 60s, mm. late 60s, you know?
1: Let's listen to Zan de Gallia, me. The next yes. track, uh, Mark, is Phil and Pegasus spinning carousel, and you were kind of in- inferring it before was that you know there was a change in the, into the late sixties and that sort of scene that is now known as psychedelic and that creativity kind of faded. And you know, you you left EMI as well. I left
2: uh, left EMI uh, at a time in 19- nineteen I think it was nineteen sixty eight. Yes, and I still, as a freelancer, did a few things, but basically. Uh, I, I was uh, not quite sure which way I was going to go. I was thinking about coming to America, but then that changed. In the end, I just, uh, I, it was just time to leave, you know, because the music scene had changed, and nobody was that interested in me, frankly. So um, I came to America.
1: I also read that you were friends with Kenny Everett, and he was promoting, he was playing the tracks and everything, but he still wasn't catching on.
2: Yep, true, true, true. People were good buddies. He was the only one at the airport when, he, when I left America that was there saying goodbye. Uh, nobody knew I was going. And he begged me, he literally begged me not to go. He said, Mark, you mustn't go. It's good If you go to America, America will break your heart.
1: Let's listen to Phil and Pegasus and Spinning Carousel from Chapter 1 in 1970. and pegasus spinning carousel produced and uh, written by uh, mark next we do go over to the uh the states of course and um, we're playing a song from one of your albums from the early 70s when you were based in the u.s and it's the song i sing so, uh, a number of these tracks that you recorded into the 70s into the early 80s are collected on two cds on the rpm label and um it's quite difficult to pick uh, just a few tracks from those collections because there's some really good material on there. And uh, I've chosen the song I sing just because it's so catchy, really. You know, do you want to say about those? those no, no
2: some of those things I think are so self-explanatory. I think that uh, I would I would ruin it by saying anything about it, you know. That's, I would be like a magician and watching them do their trick. It, you know, it, it would yeah. fly would and
4: We're linger on through the years She's taught me all there is to know There is to know Doesn't it show?
1: the uh, Song I Sing, which happens to be the, the opening track from the Hollywood Years CD. And you embarked on a, a new period of production work in the mid to late 70s. I've chosen a wonderful track by Helen Reddy, Poor Little Fool.
2: So we have a, the Jetlin song. We have a Mark Wirtz arrangement production with Kim Fowley. And uh, we have, I mean, yeah, that was definitely a stop But idol worship. I mean, there it is, you know. I have the original Hotel boom, demo of Jeff's uh, as he wrote the song. And it is quite, quite different. It is sort of typical and yet quite different from what you would expect. Uh, I think I Jeff, I, Jeff Lynn Jeff Lynn, But uh, it is, there's an actual demo, yes, and that's, uh, that was done at the Beverly Hills Hotel, just very rough. And then I took it and made it what it is, which became like a fully-fledged production, of, uh, I, 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 I think. Well, you know what? Play it. it, it it'll be... I it, uh, haven't talked about it. I, I'm now anxious to hear. I haven't heard it in ages.
1: Cool. Helen ready. poor little fool. I'm ready, Poor Little Fool from 1978. Uh, moving on, um, we've got um, a track which I think may have been unreleased at the time, although you, I'm sure you'll correct me. It's a song called Oh, How She Loves Me, uh, one of yours that's on yeah. the Dreamer of Glass Beach CD. That's a fantastic track. Um, can you tell me about that song? And um, who's on vocals on that, by the way, as well?
2: Benny Thomas is still working. He is the drummer for um country star. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioning all of this because, uh, you know, I think that I did work in America that I not only wouldn't have done in, in England, but I didn't do it in England. And and the things that I did in, I mean, you know, it's it was experimental, but funnily enough, I think I sort of in some ways perfected what I was sort of had worked on in England. And then I went to America and sort of perfected it and then... Unfortunately, nobody was interested in it. So uh, nevertheless, I got it out of me, you know. And it was sincere and it was genuine and it was uh, progressive.
3: I love her today, make it early, cause I just can't wait, to see your smile and sunshine eyes, makes me feel like my life is worthwhile.
1: How She Loves Me by uh, Mark Wirtz. Next we have Love Is Egg Shaped and, and, and that's a song that you recorded I think in was it the late 70s or early 80s but also came back to it in the late 90s as well and that's one of your most well-known songs? Oh yes, yes.
2: That's from Love Is Egg Shaped the book and the, the, the
1: soundtrack. Right. Mm. Yes. I think the songwriting on Love Is Egg Shaped is, is really, really good and all this, the analogy that you brought to love.
2: I, I will allow myself to be a little bit arrogant now by saying this, but, you know, you have to admit, those things should have made a charts. Mm. Every now and then, people listen to my stuff and they say, how come not every one of these records is a, has been a hit? It does sound like they were a hit. Mm. And I say, well, uh, they weren't, you know. But you're right, they do sound like that, to me even, even if I dissociate myself with it, totally. And I think to myself, yeah, that should have been, I can imagine that being uh being a hit, you know. Mm. But anyway, so I don't want to be morbid and I don't want to be arrogant, but uh, I don't think I think I'm the most famous unknown <laughs> <laughs> up there.
4: Adam had the hot for Eve, which for him, was a bunch of grief for home. And ever since that first affair Love has been a rocking chair Uh-uh Uh-huh Now mm, Billy wants to make suave But Sue loves another man Uh-uh But he don't care Uh-uh Well we're better off forgetting it Cause neither one is getting it Uh-uh Almost said who it goes in time, even happy endings are an end of a line. Being in love is like being an egg. You're easily late and easily broken. You can be hardballed about it, or build yourself a nest around. Jack and Jill are very hip They work on their relationship Uh Uh-huh Uh-huh But their relationship don't work He calls a bitch, she calls him jerk Uh Uh-huh Uh-huh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the string says, Want your love to keep and see me twenty times a week, thirty times. Five oh, seconds. Found out just as well. If Frankie.
1: Um, we're we're playing uh, Mark Wirtz Presents Spider Baby and the the track Learning to Live with Love can you tell me about that song and and, and that project I know that's something you were fond of
2: Uh, well actually that was basically a song about uh, unusual for me and Chris this was really a song about uh, modern relationships that don't work out because of fear of intimacy or whatever and so it was a serious, it was a serious record. The light-hearted part was the fact that it was almost an homage to, to all my different idols, in, from Spectre to Beach Voice to Who Knows. And so that part, musical part, is more or less a very light and, and, and nostalgic, almost. Uh, but the lyrics, if you listen to them, are sort of quite poignant and happy, you know. And obviously, there's a certain amount of biographical thing in there, too, you know.
0: Love for all to them to suit me and you, the best of you and me.
1: Mark Wertz presents Spider Baby and Learning to Live with Love. Backy, tell me about Retrolusion from Lost Pets Two. That was uh, the the album's one of your most recent album. Retrolusion being a, a bit of a sort of throwback to the '60s sound on that record as well. The sort of Indian sound of that song.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. That is a, that the track is in fact a a journey. It's a journal of all the different uh, prior, major popular music. Uh, concept, so to speak. I mean, it's almost an homage to all these different eras and all these different things, you know. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but it goes ultimately into reggae and I mean, just about any any moment in in music history is sort of embedded in there. That was the last time I really did Mark I In the studio, you know? Yeah. In the studio.
1: from Lost Pets 2 and the final track is Lug song.
2: Uh, you know something interesting? You picked what, what is in many ways the uh, beginning to what would be an opus work about my career, really, mm. from the mid-60s to the next 10 years. And, uh, and it's funny that you chose that, this late in, because it is almost appropriate like a closing track and as it also would be appropriately, which it was written there, an opening act. And, and the funny thing is, we're doing this sort of back-to-front, you know. Maybe, maybe that's poetic. Maybe that's really cool, you know. Mm. And I actually created the Teenage Opera. And um, it's called subtitled Tempo. And, uh, and and this is how Tempo starts off with the Chutalot song, uh, and a very aptly so. And I did it in 1995. And I recorded it pretty much at home with, by then with cassette track uh cassette machine and stuff like that, very simple, and yet I used all the knowledge that I learned at Abbey Road, making great records with little equipment and stuff. That was the first thing I did actually uh, record in that period where I did the whole thing, you know? Mm. And it is also the most elaborately recorded, and, I think you would agree, uh, most elaborately recorded and produced track from the ultimately complete opera because as time went by, and it took me about a year to do it, I ran out of I ran out of stuff, you
1: know. That's great. Well, it's, a, it's it. a pleasure to talk to okay. you again, Mark. Thanks a lot for your time.
2: Yeah, You too. It's good Cheers fun. then.
1: Yes, it has. Cheers. Cheers. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye.
4: gives us a break. Oh. It's oh, only oh, half past oh, five. Oh. One more. Have a hard old time. The missus is waiting with dinner. No, she's not. Oh, she's got nothing to cook. Jack's boy's not been by, with the staple supplies <laughs> And we keep getting bloody. Well, stuck there. There's no food. Things are not the same. We are Jack Boy is not going to make it. Oh, I think you're right there as a grocer or anything else. Yes, he's a strange lad. When he's not drinking, he's always thinking. Those crazy stories he tells. Well, he's nothing at all like his father, who was never sick a day. Yeah, he was strong as an ox. But when he got him, he <laughs> got him, there! Yeah, and the other tiger took him away.
0: We all remember, Groves Jack. What a lad! It's so sad he's gone. We can picture his face all over the place, but he never.